Hey, Spencer, buddy, old pal, old friend of mine. Yes, Caleb? Do you want to hear something kind of frustrating? Sure. I've been reading the same chapter of Jerusalem <laughs> all week. Yeah. And at least five pages a day. Again, very long pages. These aren't normal pages. Yeah. I've been reading at least five to ten pages every night. Yeah? And I'm still in the same fucking chapter all week. I'm only in. I'm only on, like, page 260. Mm. And I looked... And I think the next chapter is still 30 pages away. Ooh. And I'm just, oh, man. It's very, it's just very difficult to make progress, it feels. I still, I have over a thousand pages left of this <laughs> book. Yeah, and you're saying, like, you're getting five to ten pages. Like, that's a good chunk. Just the way that book is set up and you still have that long. It's just like, so, okay, so you have, like, 30 more pages, and you've been reading ten to 5 to 10 pages every day this week. So, originally, this <laughs> thing was close to, like, 50 page, like a 50-page chapter? I don't, I don't even know when I started this. I feel like it was, in, it was definitely in the hundreds, I think. Maybe I started this chapter, like, 180, 190. I don't know. I actually did read a whole chapter before this, and it wasn't that long. Because for those who don't know, I picked up Jerusalem after, like, a year and a half mm. of not reading it. That was, like, 100-something pages in. But I went back, and the one chapter I read, I flew you, through that. You, you were saying, yeah, one of it was really good. Um, So that was the chapter I'm on. It started off really okay. good. Actually, the last chapter was kind of difficult. It was all like Wild West stuff, but it didn't seem as long. I don't mm. know. But I am now slogging through it again, and my mind has been wandering. And I just happened to realize, I saw a post. It was about Jack London's life. And you know I have the Jack London collection I've been meaning to read for mm-hmm. Many a winters now, I always have it on my list, and I just forget about it. Well, old Jack London popped up. It was just a thing about his life, and apparently he died at 40 because he has, like, weird tropical diseases he got on his adventuring and late-stage alcoholism. But he was, like, an avid boxer and stuff, which I didn't know. So I looked up Jack London boxing. Hilarious pictures and tidy whities by the way, if you, yeah. come up when, you t- when you look that up. He wrote a book about boxing, and then there's my mind wandering Hmm, it's 170 pages. Yeah. I can knock that out in two days. Especially after reading Jerusalem, I might read that on a Saturday. So now I'm trying to fight off the, because uh, uh, now then I got like this Anthony Bourdain Bone in the Throat book, and I have a couple other short books yeah, I can yeah. read. Like, I kind of want to say fuck you, Jerusalem, but I'm not going to. Stay the course. I'm going to stay the course and cry. But you have been very, which will go into our, not the topic of the day, but a side topic I want to talk about later. You just read a book you really enjoyed. Do you yep. care to elaborate? Because you sent me an excerpt to read. But uh, yeah, so I read um, the Tenth Justice. It's the first novel from the author uh, Brad Meltzer. I've talked about him before. Um, you went through this book really quick, super quick. A little like like a week and a couple of days. Um, it's a political thriller. Um, it's about like this uh, young, you know. A uh, law student who gets a cloaking job at the Supreme Court and uh, accidentally and unwillingly gives out a decision to one of the rulings to who he thought was a former cloak who used to work with the judge that he, you know, was working with. Uh, turns out no. And since he got that decision, that guy was able to buy, like, stocks and, like, you know what I mean, manipulate things that way. So he made a whole bunch of money. And... The, then the kind of cat and mouse of the political thriller of of the main character Ben trying to find this character and trying to get his revenge and then trying to um get this guy like catch him so you know that 
oh, whenever he find does get find out, he will, you know, get in less trouble, you know, because he's, you know, he's caught the guy. Now, I never uh, pictured you as a political thriller kind of guy. No, not really. So the fact that you enjoyed it so much uh, really must prove something to the writing. Yeah. I would say. And, I, and too, I'll have to admit, like, sometimes when it got into, a, a, like, a lot of the heavy, like, politics stuff of just, like, how the different decisions and things were, I didn't, like, skip through, but I'm just reading, like, I'm just taking this guy's word for this because I have <laughs> yeah. no idea, but... Now, this excerpt you sent me, you want to give some context here? Um, yeah, it's it's towards the end of the end of the, um... Of the, of the book, and it's the the main uh, protagonist, Ben. He's having a discussion with the the guy who um, who got the decision out of him. And uh, if I remember correctly, they're still talking on the phone. And uh, right before this, the, the expert that I sent to you, they're talking about, like, the law and what... Because, like, throughout the whole book, it's a lot of, like... Um, what, like, how do you decide the law and, like, what should be and, like, um, and then as you get into it, like, the, Ben is like, well, I feel like the law and then, like, like I said, that kind of, like, leads into the, the little bit that I sent you. Yeah, all right. And you just found this was, uh, a brilliant quote or because it was somebody talking. Yeah, because it was somebody talking, like, it was the the bad guy talking to to Ben. It's just very rare you ever take a picture or send something to me from something you're reading. (laughs) And I just, like, and I just saw it, and 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 after I read that paragraph, I was just like, well, damn, that's some truth, like. Well, let me read it here. Ben, don't feel. Law is not about feeling. If you learn one thing during your time with the court, you should learn that life is a tragedy for those who feel and a comedy for those who think. Ooh, I do like that. Yeah, right? Yeah, that, that is true. If you let your emotions dictate your life, you're going to be fucked up all the time yeah. in this awful, awful, cruel world. Mm. Uh, but if you're a thinking man, <laughs> you're just, you will also feel some of the awfulness, but you're going to have to laugh at just how yeah. ridiculous life is because there's so many situations that arise that are just, they're comical. Yeah. Even if they're not supposed to be. be. And like I said, I just saw that and I was just like, that's like. You know, that's like one of the truest things that I've read in a long time. I'll have to put that book on my list of books I'll never read, but probably should. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Uh, anyway, folks, we have a Splendiferous episode for oh you today. We're going to talk like that the whole episode. Splendiferous! <laughs> oh, that hurts my throat. <laughs> uh, so stick around after this not commercial break. Listen to the drug better right So let's see how fast I can do it. it. Didn't come out at all. No. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Should we just eventually change it to DPW Podcast since that's what social media is? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Probably gonna get rid of this podcast, start one that's way more successful soon anyway. Yeah. <laughs> of course, now everybody wants to be interviewed by us for some reason. So I don't know what that's about. Maybe we should go with it and just interview everybody and then lead them to the new yeah. podcast. Build up the audience just to switch that's it. it. Um, Just to abandon them. <laughs> like a dad going out for a pack of cigarettes and never coming back. Harsh. Single mom life. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> um, I am your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Monterey Monkey Muncher Church. I'm going Joey Diaz with that because he yeah. always refers to women's genitalia yeah, as monkeys. Yeah. So uh, that's what you're munching. 
Or it could just be regular monkeys yeah. if you're one of them uh, monkey eaters. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, dog? Um, I have a question. This is what I was talking about in the cold open. I have a question I want to throw onto your head that you will have a lot of stuttering and ums because you're not prepared for it. Yes. And then I will probably Come interrupt you immediately with mine and then go back to you. Though I should probably bring it up on my phone to get a better idea. But thus question is, thy Spencer. I don't think that's the proper use of Old English. <laughs> what? Fuck, I already forgot the question. Do you like stickers? <laughs> no. <laughs> what was the last truly great novel you've read? Like, not a book that was just good or a book that was like, I really liked it or I'd read again. But, like, one that was just great. 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 Hit every fucking notch on your list of what makes a great book oh i will bring up my list on goodreads and i don't think you catalog on goodreads so you no. have a convenient list so you have to use your very dulled brain <laughs> your very diminished <laughs> mental capabilities well just uh off the top of my head um the hike that was i would say yeah you yeah. know what that actually might supersede my answer, I'm not sure, but go on. Like, that one, just off the top of my head, I just remember just really enjoying that. Not, like, able to put it down. Just had everything in it. Well, let me interrupt real quick. Okay. I was, originally, what gave me this idea is uh, I was I was listening to a podcast or something, but uh, I was talking about, like, great books. But I was thinking of East of, uh, East of Eden because that's mm-hmm. just one of my favorite John Steinbeck books. And then really it's probably my favorite American novel I've read. And I was thinking it's probably in the at least my top five of favorite novels of all time. Yeah. And that to me was just a perfect book. I liked everything. about. It was one of those books where I was like, you know, most books you read, you'd be like, yeah, the pacing could have been faster or this could have been fleshed out more. Like that one just had everything for me. So that was my perfect book. But then you mentioned The Hike, which is so vastly different. Yeah. And it's not a long book, but I just enjoyed it so much that I could also throw that on my great is, books pile. Is uh, East of Eden, is that like a bigger book? Yeah, it's five, 600 pages okay. maybe. It's literally like the life of a whole family. Like okay. Childhood to adulthood. Actually, before childhood, before the babies are born, I'm pretty sure. And again, that was a weird one for me too because very heavy Christian influences in that book like the, the characters are pretty much named after Cain and Abel yeah. like it's like the story of Cain and Abel but John Steinbeck telling it and what was modern time at the, when he wrote it I think uh, maybe a little set before but anyway just like something I normally wouldn't get into if it wasn't Steinbeck I probably wouldn't even yeah. read it but then I turned out I really liked it I took a lot away from that book I will give some other just I'm gonna go down my Goodreads list okay. here of just recent books I've read and which ones kind of touched me and stuff Movable Feast I really enjoyed, but that's not a topper. Uh, though I did give that five stars. I don't... Well, that's not really a novel. That's a memoir. Uh, do Android Dream of Electric Sheep? No, I would give that a poo-poo frowny yeah. pants. I did not care for that, actually. Uh, the White Museum, which was a poetry collection, doesn't count for me. Let's see. These are a bunch of comics. Chasing the Boogeyman. Also, I gave five stars because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Not a perfect novel in my opinion. No. Again, perfect is very subjective. Yeah. Just say great. How about that? Great yeah. novel. I wouldn't say that was a great novel just because, and I don't want to be that guy, genre fiction, it would be very hard to have the great novel. Yeah. Like maybe you could say like um, Slaughterhouse-Five could fall into that kind of category. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of genre, but you could still say it's great. Maybe even like a 1984. That's like dystopian, right? I do believe so, yeah. This one will be on the line. I will still tip it towards the a very great novel, in my opinion, one of the best ever. 
But there were parts of it where I'm like, all right, come on, move along. So it's it could easily have fallen down to just an awesome novel. Mm-hmm. That is The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Because I read that I was, recently. I, I was, I was going to bring up uh, Mark Twain because I knew what you read of him so far you really enjoyed. Again, way too much N-word. Yeah. And uh, just, the, honestly... Tom Sawyer in this story fucking pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you fucking jerk. Like, why are you doing all this? Like, when they threw him in there, I was a little... Uh... So, it was one of those books, like, I liked 99% of it. Uh, the Silmarillion, while I gave it a five-star read, that cannot be a great novel, in my yeah. opinion, because it's not really a novel. It's fucking History of Middle Earth, kind of. Yeah. Let's see. That doesn't count. I'm not going to go into Edgar Allan Poe, because those are short stories. I read a book called Life of Maggot by Paul Jameson. I think it's too bizarre to be considered a great novel, but I really, really enjoyed it and recommend that to everybody. Henry Rollins' High Adventures in the Great Outdoors. Uh, No. No. No, that was not a great uh, adventure. Sirens of Titan, I think we could both agree. It was just middling. Yeah. Very uh, middle line. Coraline, uh, I'm not going to count that. Doublingers, even though it's a short story collection, I gave that a three. I did not think that was that great. It was interesting. That's about all I can say about that. Um, The Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by James Joyce. I gave that a glowing four star. Not a great novel by any means, but it was worth a read. I can't go through all this. I have way too many books because I did read like 50-something books this year. You did. So I will summarize uh, all the Lord of the Rings books. I... If I had to say maybe like Return of the King or The Fellowship of the Rings, I could consider a great novel, though, because it's like all actually supposed to be one big, you know, all three books is one big thing. I cannot say that it's a great, the great, you know, it would fall under great novels for me just because the middle book, it it did drag for me. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where I could put those down. I enjoyed them thoroughly, but I could put those down. I'm thinking of books I can't put down. Yeah. Uh, The Hobbit, on the other hand, uh, was just whimsical enough and fun that I could fly through, but also would not consider that mm-hmm. among the greats, just personally speaking, because I know some uh, Tolkien fans will get yeah. irate, if you will. Uh, but I, I did really enjoy those, and if someone was to say that was a great novel, I'd be like, you know what, I agree. I just yeah. I wouldn't even fight it. But for me, this one cracked my top five, I wouldn't think. Uh, and if you think of a top five, that's actually a very hard list to come yeah, up right. with. Another one, which is so ridiculous that it should not be considered a great novel by anyone, was that Norm MacDonald book we read. Yeah. But it was very enjoyable. Yeah. So that's where we get into the muddy waters of where does a book just be super enjoyable? Think of movie-wise, like a Clerks 2, just because yeah. we brought that up recently. It's it's not no, it's not Godfather. No. <laughs> but it's so enjoyable that you probably watch it way more than you'd watch The Godfather. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I, I don't know. That's so weird because, like, art-wise, you can't say it's a great novel, but it's so fun. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just that's where we uh, we get uh, into the weeds here. Uh, like, The Hike would be one of those ones because it's so bizarre and weird. Uh, but it was very touching. I like the ending a lot. So, for me, I would consider that a great novel. Though, if you wanted to expand into the grand richness of literature, you could not say that's a great novel yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Just the way you could say no Stephen King book is actually a great novel. Yeah. Though, you might enjoy them thoroughly. But, personally, Hike was one of my favorite yeah. books. And, I mean, and I think when you get into that topic, that it, it's kind of like... I know, Grant, there's, there's, those, there's those outliers that probably within all lists, they probably fall in if that person's right. read them. But when it comes to, like... You know, your greatest and my greatest, it, it's all personal 
taste and yeah. you know you know what i mean like and another thing i i would think has to factor in to what makes a great novel is your desire to read it again yeah because we read so many books every year i can't even remember the last time i reread a book oh, yeah. i've reread like moby dick and stuff from when i was a kid i read them and then i read them as an adult so that's a big stretch which is how you should read books but i didn't get this till i started reading the lord of the rings i'm like I, this might be a book i would want to read every year like just like all four books, Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings books. I might want to read those like maybe not yearly, year every year and a half, two yeah. years, depending on what I'm doing. So now I'm kind of critiquing things on that because I would read the hike again. Mm -hmm. I would read East Eden every year if I could, like if I had the time and it wasn't such a long book, I probably would. And uh, now I'm starting to get into books where I'm like, wow, it's very strange to want to read a book again, especially like the Lord of the Rings. I wanted to read them again. Like, not even a year after I read them. Yeah. So maybe they should be considered in my uh, higher tier of great novel versus borderline just awesome great novel. Yeah. Um, Because I'm sure uh, a lot of those books, too, you'll catch a lot of things you missed. Yeah. Versus The Hike, maybe not so much. Well, I don't know. I think, I think The Hike would be interesting to read again because now knowing... The thing, the like, you know, you know what I mean? I think it'd be, I think it would be interesting to, to Char read it again and see like the way the characters speak to each other yeah. uh, and their dialogue will mean a lot different things now that you know the twist at the end. Yeah. So when you read it, I would imagine you'd pick up different things. I was just thinking more like the richness of the themes and morals you might not pick. I don't know. You might still, again, that may be one we just have to read again sometime. Maybe when we do the new podcast, we'll read the hike again. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm finding now, like, when I finished Jerusalem <laughs> one day. That, that's you being mighty positive over there. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, where would I rank that? Because, again, I'm enjoying it. It's not like it's a bad book or anything. It's just for some reason it's, so, it's too dense. You know, it's like when you go to, like, a really fancy restaurant. You get the death by chocolate yeah. cake or whatever fucking dessert that comes your way that's so rich that you take two bites you're like, that's the best thing I've ever eaten. I can't eat anymore. Yeah. I'm going to get sick. Like, that's almost how I feel about Jerusalem, where it's just like, this is such a dense, thick, heavy book that I don't know if I can continue reading at the fast pace I'm reading because I just keep getting bogged down. Because it's also one of those things where, like, some of it's written so well that you do want to, like, savor Take it, you know? With you want to, like, go back and reread parts of it. Like, oh, that's really... But then you can't. Because yeah. it's too much. You'll never get done with it. So that's one of those ones, like, how would I ever reread that fucking book? Hey, you're going to say you have to worry about just reading it the first, <laughs> getting it done one time. Right. Um, well, I guess that next year you'll be able to um, have a better idea because, you know, you have this grand plan of reading all these, you know, massive, like, you know, uh, tombs. tombs and stuff like that. So you'll be able to say, like, you have a better idea, like, is Jerusalem actually good? With Dad, the, you know what I mean? Or, like, do you feel like, you know, it's good because... I worry I'm going to want to reread Jerusalem for one fact, and that's because I'm going to read the Iliad and the Odyssey, and then I'm reading those first because I'm going to read Ulysses, which I have the Cambridge edition, which you saw is the biggest book I've ever seen in my <laughs> yeah. fucking life. It has essays and everything to explain Ulysses, which is a very complicated book. But I'm reading the Iliad and Odyssey first because those, especially the Odyssey, I don't know about the Iliad... Uh, but Iliad's first, so you got to yeah. read that. The Odyssey is kind of the structure, from what I understand, of Ulysses. Like, that's, yeah. like, you know, the journey and everything. That's To better understand Ulysses, you have to understand the Odyssey. And to understand Jerusalem better, 
you have to understand Ulysses mm. and the Odyssey because he drew off of those. So it's like one of those things, like, after I read this, do I want to go back and, like, maybe not the whole book, but just, yeah. like, because the way it's written, you could just read random chapters and their individual stories almost. Uh, so I don't know if that's how I'm going to go, but I'm also going to read, once I knock those three books out, Don Quixote, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about, which doesn't really have much to do with the other books. Uh, because that was written around, that was written when Shakespeare was alive, actually. I don't know how much that would draw on, like, the Odyssey or anything. It might have. And then I'm going to read Milton's Paradise Lost, which uh, I've been really having a hard time not just reading now because it's a poem, pretty much. Yeah. Just a gigantic fucking poem. That, well, that's one that I've been wanting to read, too, for a while. But the whole poem thing has kind of... I will bring it out later when we're done with the podcast. I would get it now. It's just not on my shelf. Yeah. And, uh... I'll read you just a random excerpt to see how you feel, because uh, I also really want to read the Divine Comedy. Yeah. But that was one of those things, I think we did that before, I might even read it on air, where I was like, is this something you'd be interested in, Spencer? And you're like, I'm not at that level yet. Yeah. Like, I want to, but I don't know if I could get to that. But the Iliad and the Odyssey are also an epic poem. Yeah. It's just the way they're written is a narrative. Yeah. It's which, more understandable. Which I think is like, because we've got this, this whenever we talked about poems before, like, and that's where, like, my mental block is like like those older poems like I don't or like you know I don't think I'd have a hard trouble with because like you said they're poem but they're like narration like you know what I mean they're more like a story. Well, I get fubbed up with poetry is like you know like the short you know couple lines that like you know what I mean like that kind of stuff is where I always get bogged down with poetry I feel what is poetry and how do you do it your mind is probably just structured for straight narrative yeah that's all you've ever read yeah and going for me from my first poem uh introduction to poetry was Edgar Allan Poe so I read most of his work, and then I went to, like, Maya Angelou, which is also kind of similar, not in the style, but just, you know, rhyming poetry that might tell a story, but isn't complicated. She wasn't a complicated writer. And then I read a lot of Dylan Thomas, which I only read the non-complicated ones. <laughs> but the fucking... <laughs> he, now, because I have his collection, I've been working through for, like, three years. And it's, not, <laughs> it's only, like, 200-page book. I keep hitting these ones that are so dense and Welsh, and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck's <laughs> happening. I don't get it. So, like, we've talked about this before. I can't... A lot of contemporary poetry I read, I just go, why did you just make that a flash fiction story? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, because it's told in a a miniature story that just has random cuts instead. All these people seem to do is they'll have a sentence, cut it off in the middle, and have the sentence in the next line, and maybe cut that in the middle and have the end of the sentence in the third line. And it's just this stilted, jilted fucking, why are we doing this? Sometimes I get it. That's the thing that's also like weird because sometimes it's a visual thing, mm-hmm. and if you read it out loud, sometimes you get it. But a lot of times I'm like, you're just doing that to be a dick. Yeah. You wrote a flash fiction story, and you just broke it up randomly. That's all I get from it. Uh, I've read some awful ones. The one we read off air just earlier was yeah. fucking terrible, and I always thought maybe I just didn't understand, but now I have a buddy that writes like pretty good contemporary poetry and, you know, he went to school and he had a poetry professor and, like, studied yeah. the shit and actually understands it. And I'll send him random ones. I'm like, am I dumb or is this shit? And he's like, no, that's shit. Okay. That's shit. That got published. Just, phew. Like, like, I sent him one that was published in the Paris Review. I sent it to Ashley. and There was two of them, uh, two poems. And, you know, the Paris Review is one of the most prestigious fucking literary magazines you can get published in. So I sent him two poems and sent Ashley two poems. 
Ashley was just like, I hate him. Fucking terrible. Shit. My view. And then I sent him to my other buddy, the poetry guy, and he read them. And the one, like, he, because I was glad I said that to him because he was able to point out a few things. Like, okay. You were able to break it down a little bit. I was bit. like, well, I get, like, okay, I understand. Like, maybe that's what, you know, there was like a feeling there and some things I missed. But he was like, for both of them, he was like, I feel like these are like unedited or something. Like, these were like first draft poems mm. that just got published. Like, these weren't finished products they're not polished and they probably only got published because of the person's name maybe they're famous or something mm. so i was like that makes sense so it's not my fault that i didn't get them they're just not that good like for the publication because yeah. you read like a paris review you think the top of the top right yeah so why are we getting fucking amateur dog shit because it's the famous so haruki mirakami could have the most dog shit story but he'll still get it published in the new yorker that pisses me off <laughs> yeah it's like no it's still a dog shit story which I've read things like that from Stephen King, where it's like, oh, he has this story about a magic lamp that yeah. kills people. And it's like, oh, this is not a good story, though. It's I like, mean, The Mangler. Again, great name. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, The Mangler, not so good. Uh, if I'm extra jazzed up, people, it's because I've been drinking gin, and I don't drink gin. And it, it, it seems to liven me up a little. I like a little it. Bit. It doesn't give me the mush mouth as much as whiskey does, too, so I'm digging that. Thank you, Ryan Reynolds, my new buddy. <laughs> Turning me on to gin. Oh, we actually did have an episode, but I'm not going to get deep into it. Sorry, people. But I found an article I sent Spencer. This was from freezeframefiction.com, and this was from 2015. So I don't know how applicable some of this is for the current market. Real quick, another before we just get off this to go back to the original thing of of like great books recently. Neverwhere from Neil Gaiman. I read it last year. And that was another one, like, it was, as of the couldn't put it down, just kept on wanting to read it, wanted to see what was happening, that, you know, like, you know what I mean? So I just wanted to throw throw that one out there, you know, before we moved on to the next thing real quick. That's how I felt about the Graveyard book as well that I read from him. And, again, probably can't be considered a great novel, but just in general, it's a great novel. Yeah. It's a great book. It's fun to read. It's, it's you know, that's the thing. Fun reads versus what's the great, because, you know, people love to say, Ulysses is the greatest. Finnegan's Wake, unreadable and, fucking nonsense. You know, yeah, it's the greatest thing ever written. If you can't read it, yeah, that's when you go into like art house movies. You know, you get them fucking French foreign films. This is such a masterpiece. And you're the, like, the uh, the gay cowboys eating pudding from South Park. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe that's. I get the art. I don't get the art, but somebody gets the <laughs> yeah. art. But that doesn't necessarily make you know a movie great. Uh, same with fiction. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go here and crib this whole article or anything. I'm just gonna take uh, just 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 the main things. What did I, say? did I even say the name of the article? Things so. I'm tired of seeing in lit mag submissions. This was a guest post by Bartleby Snopes Literary Magazine managing editor Nathaniel Tower. I don't know if Nathaniel works for that magazine anymore. I don't know anything. Uh, did you say his name's Bartleby? No, he works for Bartleby Snopes. Oh, Literary okay. Magazine. I was gonna say because like, I'm pretty sure that's like a. Hey, Potter person, isn't it? Right. But since I've been heavy into the submissions lately, I found this article and I sent it to you, Ashley. I sent it to everybody. But I just wanted to go to the topic and I'm just going to talk about them. What editors do, what they're sick of seeing. Uh, so if your submissions are getting rejected, it might be for one of these reasons. Uh, number one, death endings. So mm. editors are sick of fucking endings that everyone just dies or the main character dies or there's a sad death. And I can kind of understand like, why can't we have happy endings, you know? So, there you go. Number two, opening with sex or masturbation. I never thought about doing that. Like, I never, but now I kind of want to start a story. <laughs> like, uh, just so he was jacking it. 
I did start one story like that. Remember for the anthology? Yeah. I wrote that Walmart bathroom story <laughs> where a guy's beating it for comedy's sake. Yeah. I don't. It's not supposed to be in a sexual manner, but it is a sexual act. Um, you, should, you should send that to places just to see. <laughs> just, that, that would get me in the New Yorker. Um, number three, sentimental cancer stories. I can see a lot of people writing fucking cancer stories yeah. because cancer is one of those things everyone's had. For ninety nine percent of people have been touched by cancer, whether it's somebody they know or them themselves. Yeah. Uh, so don't write a cancer story and submit it anywhere. It's not going to get accepted, probably. Number four, stories that open with light streaming through the window. I have been guilty of this before, but I can honestly say I don't think I've ever finished any of those stories. Okay. I have written stories where it starts off with a light going through blinds or a window or something. I think it might even like a noir story I was writing once. And, you know, you get the dust motes and all that mm. shit. Uh, apparently, a lot of people start stories like that. Editors are sick of it. Old Caleb definitely did that at least once or twice, but I don't. I never submitted those anywhere. Number five, stories that begin with someone coming out of a dream or end with someone realizing it was all a dream, a classic trope. I have trouble, not, not, not with that, but I do like to have dream-like elements in my mm. stories, so I always think of the twist. Uh, not that it was all a dream because that's hog shit, but I do think of like you know he had a dream or whatever uh but i could get why that's not a, a necessarily good one. because again like because like with that and some of those other ones like if done poorly uh you know it's gonna just add to the suck factor you know like you're gonna yeah. have to be like a certain quality to use those things like those tropes yeah uh, number six, all-timer stories. I actually have a submission out now. This is the only one I failed. To, uh, I failed. It's. I have a story that's about a dementia patient who, it's very uh, like a lyrical prose narrative. Uh, it's not so much a story at the beginning. And it's very dreamlike. And it's about a dementia patient thinking about a time in their childhood. And it has like very weird imagery kind of uh, apparently editors do not want all-timer stories they are sick of it uh and i can i guess understand that especially which this person says if you write from the perspective of an all-timer yeah. patient which is kind of what i did so i'm probably gonna expect lots of rejections from this story and i really like that story too which sucks number seven cheating significant other stories that seems pretty common uh and here's some bonus material for you and this one is a little uh some people are going to get mad at the bonus material. Devil God stories. Most stories uh, could... Not most stories, but a lot of stories that I've read have to deal with the devil or God in some way, even if it's not actually a religious meaning. Yeah. Good and evil is one of the most basic storytelling elements, which you can say is God and devil. Uh, number two here, bar diner stories. We both fail on that. Yeah. That's just a good setting for a fucking uh -huh. story. Come on, man. At, le at least the beginning of the story. Yeah. Come on, man. References to Nietzsche. Can't say I ever did that one. Yeah. Abuse stories. Um, it's just like, I get it, but at some point, like, what do you write about now? Cause yeah, well, I was going to wait until you got done. I was going to be like, so what can we write about now? Well, this person says if after this whole list is like, if you can't have, you don't know anything to write about, you shouldn't be a writer anymore. Oh, Damn, well, fuck buddy. you, my man. Fuck you, my guy. Uh, stories of thwarted creative genius and bad things happening to trust fund kids. So 
That is that feller's list. He's an editor. That's what he would reject if you submitted it. I so he'll just reject everything. Most things. So what do we write about, Spencer? Uh, fuck. Not anything that I want to write about. How do you write about human existence? What is the human condition? Uh, what would make a compelling story? We can't have drama because if you have drama, that means you need something to create the drama. Yeah. What creates the most common drama in humans? Sickness, religion, politics, and... Personal relationships. Personal relationships. So we can't write about those things. Nope. We didn't actually say politics, so I guess everything has to be political. <laughs> oh, yay! Uh, so do not write about any of those. So what are some of my favorite stories that didn't have any of those elements? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I don't know, man. I'm at a loss for words now because that seemed like most things. Yeah. I guess I can go Japanese style, early Japanese style, and just write about nature. Yeah. And just enjoying nature. Want a good nature story? No. Well, you got to be careful, though, because he doesn't want any sunshine. Yeah. Like, you know, Nothing coming through the windows. Well, because yeah, if it can't come through the windows, I'm sure it can't come through like the tree branches or some bushes or anything. You can't be illuminating the green leaves yeah. and see the veins of life flowing through them. That would be gross. Yeah. <laughs> can't do that. No, no good imagery of nature because you can't have that sunshine. <laughs> I don't mean to shit on that guy. I get what he's saying. The article wasn't actually read as shittily as I gave that. Yeah. I just gave the top. I didn't even go into his meanings. Yeah, for him. we just took the headlines and I just made it sound like this guy is so exasperated <laughs> with the stories that he just hates any submission <laughs> and we reject. No, it would be the writing that's overall quality writing is going to get through regardless of the well. I'm sure you you're writing about. I'm sure as you being the one who come through all the submissions for the when we had the website you could probably agree with some of those things i imagine honestly i don't think i ever rejected a single story based on cliches or elements like that i based it on the writing and if it was entertaining that was my main focus but i mean like uh, but have you ever like what were you just like oh god damn another fucking like oh especially around halloween time i did go through a lot of stories that had the exact same fucking premise yeah how many haunted scarecrows are there a lot <laughs> a lot <laughs> so i did reject a lot of those based on that like if you get the exact same thing so if you're working at a bigger publication you probably will get the same fucking cancer story over yeah. you have to do it in an original way that's pretty much the gist of it um, you know, another fun thing I wanted to do on here, because I'm going to be reworking an old story and I was looking at it today and I fucking cringed so hard at how I started this story and it made me want to punch myself in the face. You know what? We'll only do one, one line. How about that? Right. Online editing of one line of one of Caleb's random stories from Is this a story that I know about or is this one like you never? It was for the anthology. Okay. Uh, it was a Western or set in a Western time, something like that. Shit, how do I find it? <laughs> I I don't know, man. I closed out whatever. This will take a minute. So Spencer, tell the folks what your weekend's looking like. Work and then probably sleep. That sounds fun. Um, no, no, no writing. No, no writing. How's your writing been going, actually? Other than like I told you uh, a, a couple of days ago, I've been doing some handwriting in a in a notepad. What brought that on? I mean, I know you said it was just easier than going on the Google Docs yeah. and stuff, but you wrote a good bit by hand. You know, instead of, you kind of already told me how that happened. How was it? Did you enjoy it? Did you um, find you wrote differently? Did you, all the bullshit that I always preach about writing by hand, did you find um, any of that to be true? It's, yeah, it's okay. It was definitely like, um, 
I think it would be one of those things, like, if the more I would do it, probably, the you know, like anything else, the more, uh, pro, uh, you know, stuff that I would get out. Right. I just always have, a, I hate looking at my handwriting, like, and I, I write so terrible. I would and, say it gets better, I, but you hit a limit. Yeah. You hit a, for at least for I, I did. So. Yeah, I mean, we're in our mid-30s, like, our hand, handwriting, I'm, it's going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to suddenly get better. As arthritis kicks in and <laughs> eyesight gets worse. All right, Spencer. So I opened this story with a scene. Okay. I don't know. Uh, some imagery, I guess. A soft wind gave voice to the stars watching over the world in silence. That's the very first line. Now, one, why did I make it a singular wind? A just soft wind. I noticed in my old writing, even just up to a couple years ago, I did that a lot. It's like shit that shouldn't be singular, like a wind. She just think about it that way. I said a soft one. Just think of a wind. That sounds yeah. dumb. That's not right. Yeah. So my first fix, and also soft. Soft wind is not the right imagery, I would think. How's a wind soft? It's not brushing against you softly. Gentle wind. Yeah. Get rid of the A. Gentle wind gave voice to the stars watching over the world in silence. All right. Well, this takes place in the desert, so maybe I want to bring the desert in first. I didn't read the rest of this. I don't remember how it goes, so I don't know if I mentioned the desert. But let's say... Uh, and I know this is a night because they're stars. So gentle wind sang through the desert night, giving voice to stars watching over the world. I'll get rid of the in silence, too, because you already know the stars are silent because yeah. they're giving voice from the wind. The wind's the noise. So no redundancy. So maybe that's better. So what do you think? Gentle wind. What did I say? Gentle wind sang through the desert night. Giving voice to the stars. Do I need the watching over the world part? Or just maybe that's cut out too? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the watching over the world might be a little too. Well, let's see how I, I continued here. Uh, so my original. A soft wind gave voice to the stars watching over the world in silence. Their presence. Their presence. You could even just say the stars watching in silence. I thought about that. But again, the silence is redundant. True. Yeah, you already said how about taking out the yeah, silence. Yeah, I'll just take out the silence. Because I also, since if I added the, the you know, the desert night, now I, I'm lengthening. I don't want to lengthen things. I want to shorten them for the most part. So a soft wind gave voice to the stars watching over the world in silence. Their presence ever looming like an open window facing infinity. A lone man held the courage to truly see their beauty for the first time. So if I got, you know, the change. So gentle wind sang through i like the sang part i don't yeah. know i feel like that's better than like that gives you the imagery of the noise without having to say you know so gentle wind sang through the desert night giving voice to the the what i say the stars so their presence ever looming like an open window facing infinity a lone man held the courage to truly see their beauty for the first time i don't know if i need to change that line uh presence ever looming like an open uh, for what he saw that night, three distinct orbs twinkling in the cosmos over the great American desert held more significance to him than in any other man. It was a sign, a sign that redemption was still possible, but it wouldn't come without struggle. I don't know now if I need the desert night in the first line since I did mention the great American desert. That would be, again, redundant. Though, I could just say night. Yeah. Um, so gentle wind sang through the, uh, the night. There we go. That gives you the imagery, and then you build upon that later. Uh, that was. Do you think sang through the night or whistled through the night? Uh, I think sang gives more of or a, sung. Or well, I'm just because I say gives voice gave yeah, voice yeah. to the stars. So I feel like sang would give it more, more of a human yeah, yeah. quality, more of a a lyric or not lyric, a melodical quality, maybe. 
The whistle, because I normally would go with whistle, but I know I use whistle later, too. Okay. I'm sure I bring up wind again. That's one of my fucking <laughs> tropes that I do in my writing. I'm always talking about the fucking wind. My current story has that a lot. I have it in space. Normally, I would not open a story with that, because this is in italics, too. I open it like that, because I think I end, from what I remember, I end the story with, like, the, the orbs, okay. and the, but the man... Plot, not a plot twist, uh, spoiler, the man dies and he's looking up at those same stars. And it turns out it was all a metaphor for his daughters or kids and wife that died. And it's kind of a revenge story. So now we can, we got a few minutes. Okay. Entertain me for five minutes. Cause right. I, I enjoy this kind of thing. Because this is what I'm going to be doing in my writing workshop probably. Yeah. So my actual first opening line, that's not a, because that's not a prologue, but it's separate. So it kind of could be a prologue, I guess. So how the actual story opens. The lone man rode into the bare-bones town of Rocaroja. There was no hesitation in searching his first, reaching his first stop, the Diamondback Saloon. He tied his old horse, a stubborn bastard way past its prime, to the water trough out front. Sweat glistened on its white back as the scorching sun took its place atop the noon sky. Sorry, and that's not even finished, but I already find a few things I'd probably change. I don't know bare-bones town of Rocaroja is necessary, like the bare-bones part. Mm-hmm. It might be, I don't, I don't know. I don't like the way this sounds. There was no hesitation in reaching his first stop. That seems overwritten, maybe, to... Uh, verbose? Not verbose, but just... You know how, like, when people would be like, it is because he was mad, and he would not, instead of saying it's because he was mad and mm -hmm. wouldn't, like, just shorten things up. Um, also, again, I fucking apparently love semicolons, so I'm going to have to fix that. He tied his old horse, a stubborn bastard, way past its prime. Does it have to be a stubborn bastard, or could it just be stubborn? Does it need to be a bastard? It's a horse. That no, does give it the imagery of being a mean horse, maybe. But then, I, but I also then feel like with if it's an old time, uh, story, western story, the calling it a bastard kind of fit. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that is true. Um, this line, sweat glistened on its back. Sweat glistened on its white back as the scorching sun took its place atop the noon sky. I almost feel like maybe I would just go with sun peaked in the sky mm. on the noon sky. I don't know if I like the took its place atop. Again, might be okay just on its own, but I feel like when, in addition to everything, I'm Alan Mooring and I'm adding yeah, too much. Wordy. Yeah, it just it doesn't read very smoothly. The saloon was little more than a wooden shack with four walls and a roof, but it had whiskey. That's good. Yeah. I gotta have the whiskey. And after a three-day trip through the unforgiving high plains, a few shots of whiskey was more appealing than twenty gold bars. All right, so and then, we, and I this is something that's gonna probably drive me nuts when I edit this. Can I get, can I get for you, Mister? I I did the uh, old timey spelling of like uh, fur f e r instead of four. I'm sure that comes up a lot. So can I get for you, Mister? Bottle. The lone man pointed to a brown jug set front and center on the shelf behind the barkeep. Also, this might be one of those instances where I read it and I'm too critical because now I'm more about uh, not necessarily toning down, but trimming down a lot of my work. I'm like, I added one adjective too many, one, you know, mm. descriptor too many. Like, I do that a lot now. And I do find it reads better when you get rid of that stuff. The opposite problem would you have. You will always say you have to add stuff. Yeah. Compose. I always have to cut down. So I, I don't know if that's... Uh, a good fix for that very beginning or not, but we'll see. I do like the gentle wind, though. Yeah. If, if it, at the very least, a soft wind is gone. <laughs> that no motherfucker's out of here. No more a soft wind. Well, you know what? That's what first drafts were for. Yeah. 
that wasn't a first draft. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like I edited that fifty times, I think, before. <laughs> Again, going back to old work when you reread it, you're like, God damn, what was it? Because you grow, which is yeah. a good thing though. Now, because I noticed things, I would change and stuff. If you're going back to work you wrote three, four, five years ago, and you were like, that's fine. Mm. Like you, if you're not pointing out things, even if it wasn't actually wrong, but just to you, it's like. Oh no, that's fine. That means you didn't progress or change as a writer. Because you might not get better necessarily once you hit your peak, but you probably will change how you write things. So you'll always notice things that are like, I don't write that way anymore. I wanted to write it like this. Or also, I think it also came with finding my voice as an author and mm-hmm. how I want to write stories. That changes things too. Because uh, I edited a collection I want to put out as a. I want to test the waters of like the self-publishing things since we're going to do the anthology. I want to kind of see how the process was and do a trial run on something that I'm not going to sell. Yeah. Just something, you know, just to see how, like, how you put it together, how you do the format. Because I don't want to like, oh, I'm going to put all this time into this big-ass anthology and then I like fuck up the formatting. Yeah. Or, you know, make it look ugly or whatever. Like, you know, it goes down to covers and everything. If we're doing it ourselves, I, yeah. I need to know how everything works. So I'm gonna do one that's like a very short, like novella length. I'll add some. I have to add some stuff because the, it's a Twelve Nights of Dreams, which was on DPW before. It was like a more of an experimental, uh, just individual like dreams that are may or may not have. They're up to for interpretation. They don't know if they have meaning or not. Because so going back and reading through those, like I don't remember writing these. <laughs> but uh, I'd have to do maybe an you were dreaming. Yeah, but total, there may be seven thousand words long for twelve of them. They're all like flash fiction length. So I would have to add an introduction and maybe I'd do like an essay or something to something try to bump it up to at least 20,000 words to yeah. make it, you know, worth printing. And then I'll see, you know, how that process works. But live workshopping, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't really workshopping. I did all the work. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need somebody to bounce things off of. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to actually go through and edit that whole ass. It's like 15,000 words. It's going to suck. It's like 24 pages long. Oh. And I have a lot of it in Spanish when I was first learning Spanish. So I'm sure a lot of that I'm like, ooh. Gross. What did I did I think that meant what that does that doesn't mean what it means. That's not what I meant. I probably yeah. won't even understand it. I don't know. I just really hope the story's not dog shit. Yeah. Cause I, I do know it had a solid ending, but I remember like there was a big murky middle where random shit was happening and I don't know if I'm gonna like it. Uh so anyway, folks. I think that's everything. You want to touch on anything else? No, I think we did all the touching we needed to do. We talked about great novels, why you can't get anything submitted anywhere <laughs> ever, like no submissions getting accepted. I currently have 10 to 15 submissions out now in the world, which is good. Spencer has one, but it's a beefy one. It's not beefy. No. It's a flash fiction. It's not beefy. Any ideas yet on writing stories for submissions specifically now? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd, I'd have to go more into... um. Looking at things, places that are that are taking submissions, yeah, to see what I have, would have to try to. I feel like you'd probably do better if you found one that was accepting a theme and had a deadline. Yeah, like they had a set theme. Say, like, hey, this one is going to be about Martians or something. Yeah, and then it's due six months from now. Yeah. Like I would give you something to focus. Yeah, on. It would yeah it'd be a, versus like a lot of the some one- structure. The ones we've been looking at are just like, uh, oh, just take anything. And then it's like, what the fuck does that mean, though? Yeah. You say you take anything, but when we go on your site, it all looks like the same gobbledygook. I don't want to get angry. Folks, if you want to check out our work, you can't. But, not anymore. But you can follow us on all social media, which is only actually three things. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I always say all fucking, that's just what I have. Until- we don't have Snapchat. We don't have uh, the, the ticky talkie. <laughs> 
We don't. We don't have the uh, only. Well, you have an OnlyFans. We don't have an OnlyFans. Not DPW. But you can follow all the stuff anywhere at DPW Podcast. We made the big change. change. Yes. So you could do that. And also, if you haven't listened to the last episode, Nick Obergon, it was a fun one. Just yes. Forgot to bring that up in the intro. Uh, people really seem to enjoy that one, and I don't blame them. And uh, I was gonna say something else, and it eludes me. Mm. Must have not been important, Spencer. Must not. You could always think of it and put it in later in post. Nah, I never wanted to though. I just <laughs> never want to. Uh, so I'll end it with this. Read great. Oh no, actually, ask yourself the question. I was. I should have said that earlier. You folks should ask yourself the question: What do you consider is a great novel that you read? And maybe make a list of five. Maybe we should do that for next episode. Yeah. Our top five great novels. Just personal list. Yeah. Just like it doesn't have to be the greatest books of all time. Just what you enjoyed. Uh, and if you want to share that with us on anything, I would love to hear some idea because then I can find some books too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people's lists are going to be way different than the kind of stuff we read. And I'm always down for that. So anyway, thank you for listening. And check out Spencer's OnlyFans at the Monkey Muncher. The Monterey Monkey Muncher. I almost forgot. Yeah. See you later. <laughs>